It's my favorite haunting, the podcast that rambles, giggles, and pronounces every word you've ever heard in your life wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Mel. I'm Ames. It's episode 49. We talk about ghosts and and stuff, too, sometimes, in addition to the other things that are not related. So that escalated quickly, huh? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it did. Wow. So... I have um I have a cat calendar because of course I do. And for April, <laughs> it's you know, it's a different cat each month and for April it's uh-huh. it's this beautiful floof ball um with his paw pushing down the blinds like to peek through Aww. and just kind of staring <laughs> so forlornly out the window. Oh. And when I went through my calendar to x out everything that's been canceled this month I'm just like, I saw it, like I saw it and I was like, oh my God, they knew the cat calendar people knew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, it it fucking blows. I mean, it's the safe choice, but um, it irritates me. So it didn't have to be like this and it ended up like this and, you know, so much for washing our hands, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> Waverly is canceled. We'll have to rebook that. I'm going to guess that's probably going to have to be rebooked next year because they only go through the summer and then they start their yeah. Halloween season. Our little the request the private request that we had to come investigate that's been postponed. I had to call and cancel mm-hmm. that flight the other day. That was a bummer. And these these idiots here, man, fucking New York, man. Tell me why people are out in the street arguing with each other all day. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't, you know, they're not six feet apart from each other either. And like, I hear people, I'm low enough in the building that I can hear people as they walk by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not on the first floor, but I'm low enough that I can hear conversation. And all day, man, all day people are walking by talking to each other. And I'm like, I can tell you're not six feet apart from each other. And you need to cut that shit out because I have a life I would like to get back to. <laughs> I'd like to leave my house again soon. <laughs> So, I mean, keep washing your hands by all means, but damn. <laughs> what have you, have you been having any trouble finding anything, like, when you go shopping or anything like that? Like, what's been your, like, challenge product? We did, like, the first week that they canceled school. Uh, we did a $500 plus dollar shopping trip. And oh. we have not left the house. Oh, <laughs> good for you. So yeah, we've we've not gone anywhere. I mean, my husband's still working, but other than that, we've been here. I mean, we go on bike rides around the neighborhood, but we don't see people. And you know, when it's warm enough, we get on the bikes and need to get those boys exercising and mm-hmm. get that energy out. <laughs> That's the one thing. Like I had. I had the opportunity to go upstate and I like, you know, I missed the window because I was thinking, I thought about it for a while. Like we knew that the, the lockdown was coming. It had been thrown in the air and it was like, you know, our governor, he's Cuomo and he at first, cause our mayor de Blasio was like, you know, shelter in place. And Mm -hmm. Cuomo is like, 
I'm not going to authorize that. We're not going to do that. I am never going to do that. And then it was like two days later, he's like, okay, so maybe we should start thinking about not leaving our houses. And and I'm just like, you literally just said you're never going to do it. And like, it's the right call. But, you know. Yeah. It shouldn't have gotten this far. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. There there was opportunity way before now to get a handle on the situation but people were like denying what was going on not to not to get too deep into the political side of it but um yeah <laughs> we went from <laughs> we went you guys we went from the, it's a hoax by the democrats oh my gosh to every time i hear that <laughs> <laughs> to uh well you know be prepared to lose a hundred to two hundred thousand people, and it's okay because that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make for our economy. Uh, I mean, within the space of a month, <laughs> a couple weeks. Wow! I just oh, we got a postcard in the mail uh, last week with guidelines, the president's guidelines to keeping yourself safe. Um, does that include? Um, taking hydroxy, whatever the fuck, <laughs> because don't do that. I can't. Uh, I can't even with with. He's an idiot. <laughs> um, yes. If he's your guy, uh, I, I'm not even gonna apologize. I I can't. I cannot support at all by any means. I can't. I've started blocking people on Facebook because I'm like, nope, mm-hmm. nope. I won't have this this stupidity like in my timeline i can't um if that loses us listeners i mean goodbye two of you i guess i I don't know i i can't i'm not gonna pretend he's just so awful anyway (laughs) moving on from him because i hate him (laughs) so what have you guys been doing the kids are doing school what are you doing mostly my normal stuff i mean i i'm kind of like not necessarily the teacher, but like the class monitor, I guess. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just make sure that they're not playing games because it's all online. Mm-hmm. And oh. they both have laptops from the school. Mm-hmm. So they have things set up like how they like it. And, you know, when they're at school, they get breaks sometimes. So they have games that they like to play on there and stuff. So I just have to make sure they're not doing that. And they check everything that they're supposed to from every teacher and all that kind of stuff. So monitoring their progress. And we all exercise together so we don't kill each other. That's cool. Because we have extra energy. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, my sleep schedule has been so fucked up because I'm not doing it. Like they closed our gym, of course, mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago. And I'm not really going outside because it's New York and people are stupid. And nobody wants yeah. to, even under this, like nobody wants to give you space. Like they're all like in your face anyway. So I've just been laying low. I've been um, ordering my groceries, which has been a pain in the ass. But it's been, I think, easier than going to the store as long as oh, I probably can. Probably down there, yeah. Yeah, as long as I can get a time slot for a delivery. That's been the tricky part. And also ground chicken, for some reason, has been really hard to find. Hmm. Specifically ground chicken. Like, I can find other pieces, like other kinds of chicken like other cuts totally fine <laughs> yeah turkey and beef is fine fish is mostly fine 
uh, frozen fish is hard to find, but the fresh stuff you can get easy. But for some reason, ground chicken, that's the, that was the, the panic item, I guess. <laughs> that I and guess. toilet paper. Little, yeah, I was going to say, because, you know, diarrhea is a symptom. I don't know. It is now. Like, and that's the other thing. Well, I know. They keep changing. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and the loss of taste. That was a new one. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, inte- uh, gastrointestinal stuff has been added as symptoms and now also uh, sinus stuff, which wasn't before either, yeah. which it's like, okay, wait, is it mute? And I made the mistake of watching Outbreak last week. Um, <laughs> nice. Which, just, which is so I'm like, and you know, in that it mutates, it goes from being like spread by contact to airborne and he's there's that mm-hmm. shot of dustin hoffman where he's staring at the air vent and he goes it's airborne now and i'm just like waiting <laughs> i'm like please don't do no. that please don't and i'm like i'm it's probably a bad thing to say but don't panic that's not it's not that that's happening i'm not a scientist i don't know anything i'm just being guided by dustin hoffman because <laughs> <laughs> he's a scientist well i would trust him over trump <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so my sleep schedule has been so fucked up because I'm not going out. So I alternate. I'm either up all night, mm-hmm. like just wide awake, um, yeah, or I sleep for like 13 hours. Oh. So like – and I've tr- been trying to do workouts at home, but it's hard because I have neighbors and no yeah. equipment. So like I can do like low-impact body weight stuff, but like – I have to be mindful of who is underneath me and who's next to me. Although yeah. the people upstairs, it's funny. I would think that nobody lived there except for the toddler that runs around all day. Literally runs around <laughs> all day. And then every now and then, like, I hear, like, she, her crying or whatever. And I'm like, oh, somebody is up there. She is not. I think it's a she. She's not happy. <laughs> but it's cute because I hear, like, their little footsteps. But, man, she, like, she pounds away. It's funny. Oh, Yeah. Kids are heavy on their feet. Anyway. And she's like, like, I saw her once in the lobby. And like, I didn't know the doorman was like, that's your neighbor upstairs. And I was like, oh. And I'm like, that's a teeny baby. I thought they had like a <laughs> five-year-old or something. But no, it's like a two-year-old. <laughs> anyway, so I've been, um, in addition to my little daily mini panic attacks, uh, I had the best of intentions to learn a language or read a book mm-hmm. or write a book or something productive, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I've bought coloring books and markers and I've been playing a lot of Sims 4. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been doing. I downloaded Rosetta Stone, haven't touched it. <laughs> but if there's anybody else out there who is isolating at home and they're alone, Because I'm just here with the two cats, and it's fucking lonely, and it can drive you bonkers. So Mm -hmm. what I found to be really helpful is doing video chats. So there's a group of us who've been doing, like, Zoom, although watch out because apparently some pervert's been hacking in and, like, drawing dicks all over screens. Um, Hmm. But we've been doing Zoom calls, which have been fun, and then every Saturday night, me and my cousins will FaceTime and watch a movie together. Cool. Like, quote-unquote, together. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's super helpful. So I just – I I worry because, like, 
my anxiety issues, I feel like, are, are usually pretty, mi- like, they're there, but they're pretty minimal. I'm not medicated or anything. I usually get through it on my own. But this has been testing me. So, I like anybody else out there who's suffering through that, you know, if you're by yourself and you have nobody else to call, DM us. Like, I don't want anybody else to go through that by themselves. I'm fortunate enough that I can pick up a phone, call somebody. Mm-hmm. You got the kids. You can yeah. call me. <laughs> the kids I mean in some ways yeah that's great in other ways can I be alone oh lock yourself in your room lock yourself or lock them in their rooms even better lock them in the shed outside (laughs) well we have uh like a set quiet time in the afternoon where everyone's goes into their well they go in their rooms and we all do the, our own things that are quiet and not interruptive to other people and that kind of stuff. So we get a little break from always being there. <laughs> oh, that's nice, though. I try to make a schedule for myself, like a routine. Mm-hmm. It, it, lasted, yes, it lasted a day. <laughs> when um, we got the school does automated calls here. And the first one was we got before, like, school actually closed. They're like, "Um, we might be closing, so, you know, be prepared, get daycare stuff situated and stuff like that. And once we got that call, my husband and I sat down and we, like, figured out when are we going to have the kids wake up? What what Mm -hmm. are they going to do? When are we going to do it? So there was, like... No interruption, no kind of like everyone's going crazy because there's nothing set down in stone and they're just going to do whatever they want. Yeah. So I'm I'm one of the mean moms. I, I'm making them get up at the same yeah, time that they would have got up for school. That's brutal, man. That's super early. Like, give them an hour. That would be my argument. Well, I'd, I'd be like, sleep in a little bit. We're still going to do everything. You could have like another hour to sleep and... Well, my my thought is that when school gets back in session, I don't want any issues for when they have to get back up and get yeah. going because the middle school bus comes at like before six o'clock. Before right six? six o'clock. That's insane. Like right, he's he's the first pickup. Oh, and um. That sucks. I think it's just about six. It's like right at six. So he That's horseshit. has to get up at almost five thirty. So like That's he, he's getting a little extra sleep. Good. Well, I mean he needs it but, too. Like at that age. That that's the older one, right? No, that's That's the younger one? Younger. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Jeez. The the older one, he's always he's always has problems. He takes a nap in the afternoon. That's his, what he does during his quiet yeah, time. Yeah, well, he's 14. And he's fine with it. <laughs> I mean, that's he needs extra Well, that's the thing that pisses me off about school is that it's so counter uh intuitive, counterproductive, counter whatever to what teenagers actually need. Like teenagers are not wired yeah. for early mornings. Teenagers are actually hardwired to be like up like sleep in later and be up later. And then here comes the government. Nope. Up at the crack of dawn. Anyway, that's have we wasted enough? That's a, a lot. We wasted a lot of time on that. Um 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to go that deep into it, but I wanted to. So just to recap, so because the kids are home, it's a little tough to find time to sit down and record and do stuff. So uh, we moved to bi-weekly for like these last yes. two episodes. Like we're still going to take a break at 50, especially with all this going on. Uh, and then yes. we'll, we're still, of course, accessible through email and social media DMs and, you know, that's about it. Email and social media DMs. Those are the things. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, we've got our Facebook group, the home of the paranormies, my favorite haunted group. You can always pop in there and chat up with some people, some cool people in there. Our fans are fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then before we get into the ghost stuff, which you're all here for, nobody cares about us rambling. We, um, I, I, I'm going to do a correction. It's, it's a, it's a little bit ranty. I didn't intend for it to be ranty. It might come off sounding ranty. I, (laughs) I was like laughing as I was planning this out actually, because it's a little, I'm ridiculous. I'm laughing at myself. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, this is also, I forgot to add in, in the beginning, this is also the podcast full of hyperbole, which I think a lot of people don't understand. (laughs) Uh. But those have been the subjects of some <laughs> emails too. And I'm just like, do, do you not know what exaggeration is? <laughs> um, anyway, so I've actually been meaning to address this for a little while. As I came across this information a few, uh, a little bit ago, maybe like a month or so, six weeks, definitely no more than two months, um, maybe two and a half months. No, I'm kidding. Uh, a little <laughs> while ago, I covered this uh, old prison in Belfast. The Crumlin mm-hmm. the Road. I'm going to say prison for now because the word that they use is it looks like goal, it, but the vowels are switched. So it's G-A-O-L. And mm-hmm. I couldn't for the life of me figure out how to say this name property. So I just kept calling it like goal or gale or something like that. So we got an email from a very concerned citizen who was – very bothered about this. <laughs> At, like about this one specifically. Like, we've gotten a bunch of emails, but th- there was somebody who was bothered about this one specifically and, and wrote out a, a very okay. a very detailed accounting of her irritation. So okay. <laughs> At that point, I didn't look it up because it had been a while since that episode had aired for one. And I'm also a little petty. There's... Okay, we've also gotten emails and comments accusing us of ripping off My Favorite Murder, which we've all, we came out and said from the start, title and format, we were inspired by My Favorite Murder. But our content, I feel like, is not not even cl- – I mean, they do like true crime. There mm-hmm. is sometimes a true crime element because, because of our content because there's a lot but of yeah, murders. I mean – Like a lot of ghosts were, were murdered. Yes. They do, however, have one policy – that I agree wholeheartedly with. They actually have several, but one relevant to the situation. Spell it like you say it. Right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I will always try my best to get it right. And if I'm if I'm not sure, I will look it up. But if it looks like a word that I'm like, well, in this case I didn't and I wasn't sure, but I think I did try to look it up and I couldn't find like a because it's not a different language, so it's not like a, a Google Translate thing but anyway i'm human you know we're both human we're not Mm -hmm. robots we're not artificial intelligence we make mistakes so i just that 
this is why I feel like to sit down and write like a an essay of an email about my mispronunciation of one word, I feel like there's something else going on there. That that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> me. There's something else happening mm-hmm. and I was, you know, an easy target. Like, oh well, whatever. But we're human. We make mistakes. So sometimes you have to bear with us and just suck it up, buttercup, because I'm gonna say shit wrong. So having said all that, I recently heard the correct pronunciation of this word. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. So it's spelled it's spelled G-A-O-L, right? It looks like goal. Yes. Right? Okay. Ready? You ready? Jail. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. It's pronounced jail. It's just a a soft G instead of a hard G. Wow. <laughs> There's that's like no. I know. I was so upset. I, mean, I was so It makes upset. sense, but no. I know. I know. I was so upset. I was <laughs> like, oh, damn. It's so obvious. But <laughs> also, it's not. Wow. Yeah. So that one's on me. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> Jail. Go, Gail, go. I don't know how to Google. Go. It's the G, man. The G threw me. <laughs> And you know, if it had been I-L instead of O-L, I still would have said Gale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, Gale. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's Gale. Anyway, I don't remember what number that episode was, so. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah. It was like a year ago, I think. All right, so that's that. So do you want to talk about ghosts? Why not? Haunted houses? Let's entertain some people. Okay. What you all came here for. I think it's my turn to go first. I'm going to go first. Okay. (laughs) I'm just going to do it anyway. (laughs) Whatever. I did the ham house in Richmond, England. Mm, Do they sell ham? Are they made of ham? Were they (laughs) owned by Hampton? What was his name? Hampton? Hampton Pig? Pig? Was that his name? Tiny Toons? Yeah. I think that's what it was. Just remember him vacuuming and plucky popping out of the bag <laughs> in the opening. Yeah. Ah, they're bringing Animaniacs back with the original voice actors. Wow. Yeah, I'm excited. That's completely unrelated. So, <laughs> so I used information from nationaltrust.org.uk and Wikipedia for this and then later YouTube. So this house, okay, this house, when I saw the picture of it, it's called Ham House, but it's like Ham Mansion. It's it's giant. um, It's Mm -hmm. beautiful. So it's known for its gardens. It's got like a a bunch of fancy gardens that people go to for, but they also, it's like, um, it's like a living history house. So you go in and it's all like decorated the way it would have been decorated in the 1600s and it's cool. ac- it's absolutely beautiful and the like when you see the picture of it like the picture from the front it's so just like i don't know it's just beautiful it originally was built as like it looked from, so from a bird's eye view it looked like a letter h and they've later mm-hmm. filled in the back part of it 
so that the back of it's flat, but then the front, like where the entry, the front entrance, it still has that like bottom half of the H open. Does that make sense? Yep. The original structure was built in 1610 for Prince Henry. It was a gift from his father, King James I. Prince Henry died in 1612, and the property passed to his brother, Charles I, who later leased it to his friend since childhood, William Murray, who was the first Earl of Dysart, if you were wondering, in 1626. Mm -hmm. We're going to go through nine Earls of Dysart, FYI. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to cover them all. I'm going to – I think I just skipped from one to nine because – it's a whole lot of stuff we don't care about. Um, Mur- so Murray, William Murray, actually, when they were kids, served as Charles I's whipping boy. Do you know what that is? Yes, I do. I thought it was a sex thing. Um, oh. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually. It, it was like an errant thought because yeah. they're kids. Um, so... <laughs> There was, you know, Wikipedia highlights the definitions of stuff. So I I was like, oh, whipping boy. I know that's not what it sounds like. What is it? So (laughs) I learned something new. Um, Back in the day with noble children, they couldn't like they would have they would have tutors, right, for school. And if they they misbehaved, the tutor wasn't allowed to like punish them because they're noble. They outrank the tutor, right? Yeah. So the tutor can't touch them. So they would have a whipping boy who would take the punishment for them. So yep. hopefully you're not like Joffrey's whipping boy because no. that psychopath wouldn't give a shit that you were getting beat on his behalf. The hope was yes. that you would see your like BFF being hit and then that would make you behave because you don't want to see your friend getting hurt for something that you did. Yes. You have to, you know, be not a sociopath for that to work, though. Yes. (laughs) I'm guessing that it did that it work in this case because by all accounts, they were very close friends for their whole lives. Okay. So and then Charles gave William this fucking gigantic mansion with like 200 acres or some nonsense. Fucking three stories. I don't even know how many rooms. It's massive. So they must have, they must have had some kind of like positive relationship there. So it, you know, maybe, I don't know. People were fucked up back then. Who knows? So William and his wife, Catherine, um, they did. So when they got the house, it had been around for a few years already. And, you know, a couple of people had lived there. So they did, when they moved in, they did extensive redecorating and refurbishment of the mansion just before the English Civil War, which I know nothing about. William transferred ownership of Ham House to Catherine for the duration of her life. And then when she died, it was to go to his four daughters, which I find fascinating because women could own property in England in the 1600s because they sure couldn't do that here up through the 1900s. That's how so many ended up on poor farms because their husbands Mm -hmm. died and they weren't allowed to inherit property. Our country fucking sucks, man. So I guess the yeah. the war, the English Civil War, was between the Royalists and the, bear with me here, Parliamentarians? Holy shit, I think I said it right. I think so. Uh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> so I know nothing about this topic, you guys. I kind of just pieced this together. So I'm not a historian. Don't take my word for it. If you really want to know more about history, go look it up. 
So I'm going to go ahead and say through my brilliant reasoning and deduction that the royalists were for the monarchy and the parliamentarians were supporting a parliament-run government. Sounds about I right. I mean, <laughs> logic tracks, right? But I'm not a historian, so – and that's my disclaimer. Uh, so the <laughs> estate ended up being sequestered during the war, but Catherine got it back in 1646 by paying a 500-pound fine. Reading between the lines here, it sounds like – so the Murrays supported – that's not really reading between the lines because later on we'll find out the Murrays really supported the royalists. Um Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, you know, their connection to Charles I was really close, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but the parliamentarians won the war, it sounds like. So Catherine had to fight to get her property back, and that's why okay. she had to pay the fine. But when she died in 1649, inside the house, by the way, the parliamentarians sold off most of the estate. Ham House was bought by William Adams, who was working as a lawyer on behalf of the eldest Murray daughter, Elizabeth, and her husband. So they were supposed to inherit that property anyways once Catherine died. So I don't know. Nothing mm-hmm. explained why that happened. Like if William, if something was like because the the property was like confiscated and they had to buy it back, did it void William's um, will? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. There, maybe. There, yeah, there was nothing that explained that. So – they ended up having to buy back the property that they were supposed to have inherited anyway. So your girl Elizabeth. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on Elizabeth because she's – well, she's a little important later on. So your girl Elizabeth was pretty ambitious. She's a straight-up Slytherin. <laughs> she, <laughs> she knew what she wanted and it was not to be a housewife. Her father made sure she had a full education as a kid, which in 16 whatever, you know, was, you know, super rare for girls. Like that mm-hmm. just didn't. Yes. Girls were not educated. She did have 11 kids with her first husband. Whoa. Yes. Sir Lionel Tolmash. And that pronunciation I did look up and it's correct. I hope five of those kids survived to adulthood. After the Civil War, she remained a royalist and joined the secret organization, the Sealed Knot, and kept in contact with exiled supporters and even visited King Charles II in Europe, where he was hiding out, but also Hmm. kept up a relationship with Oliver Cromwell. So she basically played both sides, waiting to see who would ultimately Hmm. end up with the power. And then when King Charles retook the throne... She was right there. Like, see, I was with you the whole time. But, you know, if if Cromwell would have stayed in power, she said, you know, I've been here with yeah. you the whole time. I've changed. So that's why I was like, she's a straight up Slytherin, man. She's like. Yep. <laughs> Sib, she was reminding me of um, like Death Eaters, right? Because yeah. when they like after Voldemort fell in 81 and they all kind of went into hiding. But then the second he comes back, they're like, you know. I should. I don't need to explain that. You know. So, <laughs> William Murray. He's a Malfoy. Yeah. Yep. That exactly. William Murray died in 1655, and Elizabeth inherited all his titles. Apparently, not the house though. When Charles II came back to the throne, he gave her a yearly pension, equivalent today of 100,000 pounds every year. Hmm. Because of her connections and influence in politics, her enemies accused her of witchcraft. 
Clearly didn't really go anywhere, though, because, like, she never, you know, was stoned or brought to trial. Or Sir Lionel, her, her first husband, died in France in 1669. And, quote, very soon after, unquote, she became the mistress of John Maitland, who was married for three more mm. years. And then right after his wife died in 1672, Elizabeth and John married. I mean, like, right after. Like, mm. I don't think her body was even cold yet. Yes, the two deaths that resulted in Elizabeth marrying up the ladder were super suspicious, and it's been speculated foul play was involved. My hmm. convenient. And gee, were they both quick to move on? <laughs> but, I mean, I guess it's kind of what you did back in the day, right? Like, you didn't – because marriage was, like, a business back then. It wasn't necessarily romance. It was how are you going to get ahead in society, right? For, um, like, rich people like that? For the upper yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, John died in 1682. So, they were married 10 years. She faced, after he passed, she faced severe financial problems. Uh, so, like, all, all this work that she did to move up and up and up, it, like, kind of exploded in her face after John Maitland died. She, um, she her health declined. She had gout. And because of that mm. and her advanced age, she became a shut-in and lived in a small room on the ground floor of Ham House until she died in 1698 at the age of 72. Wow. Shortly before her death, she wrote, I am a prisoner now in my beloved Ham House, and I will never leave. Take that how you will. Um, that came from a YouTube series, Nightmares Before Bedtime that quote hmm. so ham house stayed in the family for almost 300 years it was passed down through the generations um through the children from elizabeth's first marriage to lionel until 1948 when sir lionel tolmash it threw me for a second because it's the same name but it's spelled differently mm -hmm. <laughs> they spelled it with a y instead of an i <laughs> lionel okay. and i was like wait a minute that's the same name um, so, yeah, in 1848, Sir Lionel Tomash, the fourth baronet of Hanby Hall, his full title, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he donated the house and grounds to the National Trust. By then, the house was in a state of melancholy. It was kind of falling apart. It wasn't looking so hot. And the National Trust transferred ownership to the Ministry of Works, who opened the house to the public in 1950. They spruced it up a little bit, brought in researchers and restorers to get the house back to its intended splendor. The website refers to the house as a, quote, rare survival of 17th century luxury and taste, unquote. Today, you can take a tour of the house and gardens. Soon, once the world is back up and running, you will be able to take a tour of the house and gardens for about 13 pounds or 12 pounds in the winter. They also offer family ghost tours in the fall. So the accounts of hauntings tend to concentrate on the ground floor. Who died on the ground floor? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Right, that's her yes. Name. Ding, ding. Ten Good. points. Um, I was like, oh, no, I forgot her name already. <laughs> so did I not tell you there was going to be a pop quiz in the middle? <laughs> There's, so the the most common thing is that that oppressive atmosphere. You know the one where you mm. just walk in and you're just like, I don't want to be here. Staff actually when they enter the area. So there's like the area of the house that's like Elizabeth's area. 
And when they entered that portion, that's where they feel that most often. And staff actually, before they cross the threshold, will say, good afternoon, your ladyship, as like a sign of respect. So she doesn't fuck with them. So it's estimated that there are about 15 spirits at Ham House, including a ghost dog. So Peggy Curtis, she's a volunteer at Ham House. She works at the desk. And on three different occasions, she says three different visitors came down where she was working. And each time the person was like visibly shaken. And all of them separately, remember, like they weren't together. Like these are three separate occasions, recounted the same story. They walked into the empty chapel because this house has a chapel. Walked into Mm -hmm. the empty chapel felt a presence to their left, turned to look and saw a grayish form, which they realized was Elizabeth. Oh. (laughs) And that's from the National Trust who runs the house. Um, They have a YouTube channel. So that was from their, uh, one of their YouTube videos. It was an interview with her. Anne Parrington Omar, she was a manager. I don't think she's there anymore. The video I watched of her was a little bit older. was from Nat Geo. Which my iPad helpfully corrected to Mateo after I told it not to. So that's cute. She, So apparently some of the staff lives on site, which is fucking amazing. Like, I'll go work there and live there. So, But Anne Parrington Omar, she was a manager who lived there. She commonly hears footsteps when no one else is in the house, like after they've closed and locked up for the night. She's had overnight guests once they lock up and set the alarms and everything and it's just them and then they, the her guests will say like, oh, I heard footsteps going up and down the stairs. Who came in? And she'll be like, nobody came in. The alarm is set. So – and it's just them in the house. So there's no one else there. And she and guests have also smelled rose perfume, which is what Elizabeth wore. UK ghost explorers visited in summer of 2019 and he – I don't actually know if this is a he. I'm just assuming because – most ghost investigators that I have met are are men, but um, there is no name or anything. It was just posted under UK Ghost Explorers. But he visited, and his experience was he was um, on the main staircase, which is where Elizabeth has seen a lot. Oh, I didn't get there yet. Well, Elizabeth has seen on the staircase a lot. <laughs> so he was on the main staircase, and he felt something push past him on the stairs as he was walking up. Followed by the feeling of being watched. I hate that feeling. Mm, He stood there for a bit kind of feeling things out and then eventually felt the presence of an older strong woman. He then proceeded up the stairs to the gallery overlooking the main room on the first floor and could see the outline of a woman walking slowly from left to right. And then he also said in the green room, which is literally a green room, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like the walls, the furniture, everything's green. He Both. felt, yeah, he felt a lot of pressure like around his head. The video, there's nothing, there's no ghost evidence in it. It's it's just like fancy like string music playing over like a montage of photos of the house. But I'll post the link because there's a lot of really incredible photos of the interior of the house. Cool. So if you guys want to see what the inside looks like. And then I just had the voice from Scream saying, I want to see what your insides look like. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't even watched that movie in I don't know how long. Now I want to. So my next source is Nightmares Before Bedtime. So that this is a YouTube channel. And 
she kind of does what we do, just shorter and on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. She just goes over haunted places, the history and the ghosts and stuff. Um, her video is also has a lot of photos of the interior of the house. So, I mean, I'll post all these links for everybody. But So, according to Nightmares Before Bedtime, the ninth Earl of Dysart, <laughs> right, I talked about we're going to have nine Earls. Um, so, apparently, he was a generally grouchy person. He lived in the early 1900s. Um, however, every Christmas Eve, he was apparently not as grouchy, and he'd take an armload of presents across the grounds to a cottage where his chauffeur, Mr. Allen, lived with his family. Um, mm-hmm. the, yeah. <laughs> he would spend the day with them, and, he would, and, you know, they would just, like, have a, I guess, just give them a good Christmas. It's kind of sweet. He was partially blind and used a walking stick to get around. So these days, that tap, 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 tap of mm-hmm. the stick as he's walking can be heard going the route from the main house to the cottage as well as the knocking on the cottage door. Uh, there was a servant named John R. James McFarland. So he committed suicide in 1790 by jumping from a window after mm. a servant girl he'd fallen in love with rejected him. Aww. Before he jumped, he carved his name and a diamond ring on a window pane. So I did some research because I was like, 1790, were engagement rings a thing? <laughs> it seemed it seemed like janky because, you know, it sounded like made up because I was like, I'm pretty sure engagement rings are like a, a more recent, it's a more modern notion. So mm-hmm. I I researched and it turns out so. Diamond engagement rings didn't become popular until 1947, which was mm-hmm. even way later than I thought it was going to be because I have my great-grandmother's ring that my mm-hmm. grandfather used to propose to my grandmother. They got married in the 40s, and so his parents would have been married, like, at least in the 20s. Mm-hmm. So this, the ring that I have is, like, 100 years old. So And that's when I thought I was like, well, like, the turn of the century, right? The first recorded use of a diamond engagement ring was in, guesses? I don't know. Long, long time ago. <laughs> you don't want to throw out a year? Uh, 1,200. Wow. 1,477. <laughs> I was going to say 14-something, but then I'm like, uh-huh. wait, earlier. I don't uh-huh. know. <laughs> it's still super long ago. Did they even yeah. have diamonds back then? Um, the, yeah, the first, reco- the first recorded use of a diamond engagement ring so who knows um but it was archduke maximilian of austria's proposal to mary of burgundy and it wasn't like diamond rings today it was like slivers it was like four long slivers that shaped an m hmm for maximilian i assume or for mary (laughs) they're both m names could be or marry me (laughs) yeah marry me so, so that's your history lesson today. That, <laughs> according to the internet, so who knows? Any, if it's on the internet, it has to be true, right? According to my children. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, back to suicide. <laughs> McFarland screams from his fall. Yeah, we're so, we're we're, ta- we're still talking about McFarland who jumped out of the window. Um, his screams can still be heard on the grounds, and he has been seen on the terrace. 
There's also been sightings of a weeping woman in the gardens, and she's believed to be the kitchen servant who rejected him. Hmm. Although, well, I was going to say, would you feel, but maybe if you feel like it's your fault that he killed himself, I guess you would feel kind of bad. Um, although you can't control other people's actions, so. That is true. Visitors have reported seeing Charlotte Walpole, Countess of Dysart, waving at them from an upstairs window. She seems to be welcoming them. Like, yay, you're here to visit. (laughs) Um, And that ghost dog I mentioned earlier, it's a cute little King James Spaniel that runs around the gardens, the parquet floors (laughs) in the house, and upstairs. One visitor complained to the administration that she hadn't been allowed to bring her dog in, but somebody else had a dog running around loose. (laughs) She was told there were no dogs in the house. In 2010, the skeleton of a poor little doggo was unearthed in the garden outside the kitchen. There have been unexplained noises coming from the servants' quarters, and there's an antique wheelchair that's kept in that area. You know, that's my favorite thing. Guess what it does? (laughs) Rolls. It sure does. All by itself. (laughs) Moves around. One staff account saw a clergyman dressed in black robes cross a rope into an off-limits area. The staff member followed him to go, you know, kick him out, only mm-hmm. to watch him walk through a closed servant's door. <laughs> they believe this was Gilbert Spinks. He was the chaplain for the Duke of Lauderdale and would often use the servant's passages to get to the Duke's rooms. Hmm. In 1992, the chapel underwent renovations. The workmen would... You know, the end of the day, they lock up, obviously, yeah. leave their tools and stuff in there. So they'd lock up and leave and then come back in the morning. So one morning they come back, unlock the locked door that was locked the previous night and mm-hmm. found handprints and skirt marks in the plaster dust on the pew that had belonged to Elizabeth Murray. Wow. So, like, she came in and sat on her <laughs> pew. She has been seen kneeling at the altar in the chapel, walking the halls in the evening and late at night, and on the staircase dressed in black. So she, like, appears as a woman in black. Uh Which, yeah, which makes me, and the way, like, the grandeur of this house makes me think of the woman in black. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, no, that's creepy. I don't like that. Her rose perfume lingers throughout the house. I said that earlier. And then I made a note. Did she dab it on the walls? Because that comes back to that whole, like, how wooden fabrics absorb smells and then release when it gets warm. So, like, it could be that or it could be her walking around. She's been seen enough times. Probably her. And also the swish of silk skirts can sometimes be heard, like, walking through the hall. Like, she's walking through the halls. Mm-hmm. Staff say whenever she is sighted or otherwise makes her presence known, she is accompanied by that overwhelming feeling of oppression. That, like, I don't want to be here. I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. She comes with that or that comes with her. Uh, one staff member was working late in the office one night. The only one in the entire building was totally fine with it until he heard the sound of someone pacing in the hall right outside the office door. He was then so freaked out, he refused to leave. Honestly, if I heard that too, I would probably lock myself in the office and just spend the night there because yeah. my first thought would be somebody broke in. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to go take some an intruder on, you know? I'm, I'm not going to fight with anybody. Yeah. So 
but they do have an alarm system. So if somebody had broken in, he most likely would know. And it probably was Elizabeth keeping an eye on everything. Apparently she likes to keep an eye on stuff. Like, what are you doing mm-hmm. to my house? Don't fuck my shit up. In the Duchess's bedchamber, the room where Elizabeth spent her last years and eventually died in. That's morbid. Um, mm-hmm. Footprints inexplicably appear leading to the fireplace. Some staff who live on site keep pets. See, that's mm-hmm. even better. I'll go live there with my cats. I can bring my cats. <laughs> I am all in. I want to go live in England. It's like right outside. It's like south of London, like right outside London. Um, so anyway, some of the staff who live there um, keep pets, but none of them will go to Elizabeth's area of the house. Like, like they just won't go in there. Um, mm. There were two cats who used to live there and they would look, they would like go and they would look in that direction and then just hiss. Ooh. Like anytime they were over there, they would just like stop and just hiss over, like in that direction. Whenever a cat hit, man, a cat hissing is already creepy on its own. But then when you see them like staring at a wall hissing, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I get freaked out. Mine just stare at the wall. And like they don't make a noise, they just stare, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Stop it! Stop it! There's nothing there! Stop! I can't see it. It's not there." <laughs> um, and lastly, of course, uh, what haunted manor would not be complete without a haunted mirror? Oh, nice! It's a silver and ebony mirror. It's in Elizabeth's area. It once belonged to her. It was actually her property. Multiple visitors have and staff have reported looking into it and seeing in the reflection Elizabeth looming behind them. That's a quote. She looms behind them. Yeah. I'm like that makes it sound even creepier. She looms. Like one of the one of the staff um gave like a an interview and she said that at first, like you'll look into it. And I don't know if she was giving her own account or if it was an account of a coworker, but she said it sounded like it might have been her account because she said you look in the mirror, and at first it looked like um like she thought it looked like another staff person, but then she was like wait I don't know you and she turned around and there was nobody there, hmm, and then a bunch of visitors so I guess some of the staff do um they must dress in period clothing. She mm, was yeah. when she gave her interview. She was so okay, yeah. So that was the she's like, I thought it was a staff member, but that mirror thing that always gets me in horror movies. Man, like when the person's in the bathroom, they open the medicine cabinet, they get something out, and they close the medicine cabinet, and then somebody's there behind them, yeah. And they they either scream or they don't notice because they're looking down like into the sink or whatever they're at whatever they're putting their toothpaste on their toothbrush or something and there's somebody just standing there like oh my god i'm freaking myself out now i need to stop (laughs) (laughs) there's not even a mirror in here (laughs) so anyways that's ham house that was really long i'm sorry (laughs) it shouldn't have been that long but um mine is kind of long Awesome. Well, the people have two weeks in between, so maybe they can listen to half one week and then the second half the other week and then 50 will be out. Maybe. Hopefully. So I did the Sagamore Resort in Boat Landing, New York. 
So this uh, resort is actually located on its own private island called Green Island. It's a 70-acre island in Lake George up in the Adirondacks. So some of the history of the Sagamore and the area before it was built, um, a prior employee of the hotel claims that it was built on Native American burial grounds. Mm. So there's that. That's the best. So the actual building was built in 1883 by Myron O'Brown and financed by four Philadelphia millionaires who were summer residents of the area. E. Burgess Warren, William B. Bremont, Robert Glendinning, and George Burnham. And they were later joined by investor John Bolton Simpson. So in 1893, on June 27th, about 150 guests, employees, were asleep in their rooms, and a fire broke out in the adjacent laundry building. It spread too quickly to be contained, and the Mm -hmm. building burned to the ground. Only the chimneys were left standing. And I actually came across a picture of it. It looks really weird because they're like... two chimneys standing there? Oh, no. It was like... It's like five or something. And they're like... Have multiple fireplaces on them as Uh they go up. And it just looks so weird. Oh, and the fireplaces are still there from the other floors. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like... It's like four, four stories high chimneys are just like standing there. And then in early August of the same year... Construction was underway for the new building on the footprint of the remains of the um, original floor plan, except the uh, exterior details were changed to be a little more modernized, I guess. And then June 26th, 1894, so almost exactly a year later, it reopened. And then 1905, the hotel was leased to C. Allen Lindsley and a large porch with three floors of rooms above it, was added. On April 12, 1914, seven weeks before the season's official opening, the hotel burned to the ground. Again. No! The cause of the blaze was never officially determined, but due to the fact that it was the off-season and that there were relatively few people on the property at the time, arson was suspected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Fires don't usually spontaneously break out in New York. <laughs> in the desert, maybe. <laughs> that doesn't typically happen here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, need a, you need usually some kind of catalyst. So with the suspicion of arson and then the start of World War I, it would take years before anyone would even talk of rebuilding the hotel. Uh, Then on June 15th, 1923, the third incarnation of the Sagamore opened its doors. It was smaller and plainer than the previous two, and it took time for it to regain its popularity because, you know, in in that time period, people just went other places and did other things. Yeah, well, and they left it, so they found other spots to go to. I'm laughing because I'm thinking it's smaller and plainer. Yeah, because they don't know the next time it's going to burn down again. (laughs) (laughs) Why waste all that design and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just going to burn down again. (laughs) Like, let it stand for, like, 10 years, and then maybe, if we're okay, 
maybe we'll add some paint. And then another 10 years after that, maybe we'll add some fancy lights. I don't know. <laughs> Make sure it's going to stay first. Yes, well, they didn't wait 10 years. They waited five. <laughs> oh, okay. In 1928, Carl P. Abbott was approached to manage the property. He said he'd run the club for one season on a bet. If he makes as much in that season as it had lost the season before, the owners will have to build him a 200-room hotel. Long story <laughs> short, he won. He won. <laughs> So, on October 1st, 1929, they broke ground on the extension of the hotel. Four weeks later, construction halted due to the stock market crash. Oh. But it was not its death sentence. In 1930, Dr. William G. Beckers of New York City and William H. Bixby, a St. Louis industrialist, stepped in to finance the expansion, even though the economy was struggling at the time, and the hotel survived the Depression. It was during this time that the hotel acquired the nearby golf course as well. In 1946, the hotel was sold to the Brant Brothers, who made renovations and additions like two swimming pools. In 1954, the hotel hosted the 46th Annual National Governors Conference, presided over by Vice President Richard Nixon and hosted by Governor Thomas E. Dewey. I know him from his expressway. <laughs> the Thomas E. Dewey Expressway. Which one is that? Is that 490? I don't know. I don't remember. I think it's one of the ones in Rochester. I don't know. I just remember seeing it on the sign. <laughs> In the 1970s, with more options in the area, business began to taper off. And in 1981, it closed after falling into disrepair. Uh. In 1983, builder and real estate developer Norman Wolgan of Philadelphia purchased the estate. And with Kennington Limited, Incorporated of Los Angeles, restored it to its former grandeur. In 2008... It was purchased by Ocean Properties Limited, who have since invested an additional $50 million in modern updates and renovations. And it is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. And ghost tours are offered throughout the year. <laughs> oh, throughout the year. Cool. Yes. Not just <laughs> in October. <laughs> um, and ghost hunting is allowed by appointment only. It's open year-round, seven days a week. And room rates start at $229 a night. So it's a little, uh... Fancy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all for the history, and we can move on to the haunting. It is thought that most of the ghosts at the Sagamore are transients who vacationed here in life and continue to vacation here in death. <laughs> I thought that was an Cute. interesting thought. <laughs> I mean, do ghosts take vacation? You know what? Like these haunted hotels and stuff, maybe they're not. Maybe it's ghosts on vacation. <laughs> I mean, you got to figure all haunting 24-7. It probably gets tiring. That's a lot of energy that they're using. Mm -hmm. They need a break too. <laughs> oh, we start off with your favorite. Children? Ghostly 
children. Awesome. It's fantastic. <laughs> Ghostly children can be seen on the golf course or giggling in the hallways. <laughs> will they caddy for me? Oh, we'll get to that. There's oh my a more God. detailed story about a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's wearing a newsboy hat. <laughs> That's how I picture caddies. Oh my gosh. He possibly could be. We'll get ah! there. <laughs> I'm psychic. <laughs> so a woman in white enters hotel rooms and frightens the guests. She hovers over them while they're sleeping and blows cold air onto their eyelids. Ew, on their eyelids. No. My cat tries to lick my eyelids. Ew. Yeah, he's gross. He also likes to lick armpits. He's a fucking weirdo. Ew. A woman wearing a blue polka dotted dress moves through the hallways and the hotel's restaurant. One guest had seen a man in her room standing against a wall watching her. She stated she felt very comfortable with him. Apparently she likes being watched. That's a that's a sex thing. I might be a little preoccupied on sex things today. I don't know why. <laughs> Another guest had seen a child run through the end of her bed and into the bathroom. Run through the end of her bed. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so those were all the like the little things. And now we get into a little bit more detail the on some things. I'm just people's. running through the ends of beds. Just a little thing. No big <laughs> deal. Well, I meant little as in little descriptions, not like. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So now we have the ghost couple who are thought to be among the hotel's first guests from the 1880s. They descend from the second floor and take a seat in the fine dining restaurant's reception room before departing. And then we have another thing about a couple. I couldn't determine whether it's the same couple or a different couple because, um, well, there were two different accounts. So they were like, and they didn't describe what the couple looked like or anything. They just said a couple. This one says, a couple walks into the dining room and proceeds to fight. He flings her to the floor in a rage while she reaches for him from the carpet, only to fade away. And they've also been seen on the second floor in one of the rooms. Were they also fighting? Uh, they did not say if they were fighting in the bedroom as well. Because I was going to say if they're fighting both times or like even just arguing or something, it's probably the same one. But how often do you see a couple, Matt? Yeah. You know what I mean? Th mm -hmm. Those odds are, that's not a common thing. They're usually on their own. Yeah. And I don't know, just like, but the first part, like they just walk down the stairs and sit in the reception area. Like it seems so calm and sedate. And then they go into the dining room and they start fighting. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened, but I don't it, know. It, it was just brewing. Weird. It was <laughs> brewing. I just, for some reason, I, I picture this mysterious couple as... Because um, <laughs> this will make sense. Billy Zane and Rose Dawson. None of that is consistent. Billy Zane <laughs> is the actor. I can't... Cal. Cal. His name was Cal. On Titanic... Oh. And Kate Winslet was yes. Rose DeWitt the Cater. <laughs> she wasn't actually Rose Dawson until the end. Yeah, I'd fuck that completely up. But I pictured them <laughs> from Titanic. <laughs> yeah. 
Because <laughs> he like backhands her in the in the cafe. Yeah. That was not anywhere in my mind. <laughs> I you know, I sometimes I wish I could explain why <laughs> things happen in my head. I don't know. My brain is just a mystery to me as it is to everybody else. <laughs> the apparition of a tall woman dressed in long white evening attire with flowing sandy blonde hair spoke to a prep cook in Mr. Brown's pub. She then proceeded to walk toward him, then threw him and disappeared. The cook packed his things, quit his job, and never returned to the resort again. Yeah, he did. Um, I'm sorry, walked through him? Is that what I heard? Yes, uh, apparently she walked right through him. I, you know, the <laughs> in Civil War, when Vision goes through, like, flies through Ant-Man, and he's like, you guys, something just flew in me. <laughs> I can't. Oh, oh, or in Harry Potter when Myrtle goes through Ron, she like punches through Ron, oh. and he's like, oh. <laughs> "That one's probably yeah. more apt because she's actually a ghost." <laughs> um, ugh. no, yep, yeah, time for a new job. I would say <laughs> that's not cool. And also, don't do that when I'm trying to work, and you know, you're distracting. I don't know, and it's just rude. <laughs> most ghosts are rude though yeah they're just completely inconsiderate just pay attention to me like oh my god you're so needy uh, she also has been seen on the second and third floor hallways just wandering around just walking apparently not through people up there though through walls no just walking through the probably through the hallway like a normal person See, that's not rude. That's okay. Now we are back to children. Specifically, a little boy from the 1950s. Fantastic. He was known to chase errant golf balls to sell back to the pro shop on the golf course. In and life? I, yes, in, in real life. Okay. In real life. I meant like when he was alive. Like well, yeah, when he was life. alive. When he was alive. <laughs> or do you refer to ghosts as real death? In real death. Okay. Yeah. So when he was alive, he chased golf balls and sold them back. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sober now. Be sober because he dies. I mean, obviously. <laughs> sorry. I... Yes, obviously, because he's a ghost. Funny, I'm, funny enough, I puzzled that out for myself. <laughs> I was more telling myself to, like, stop laughing. Be serious. A child is about to die. Oh, oh my goodness. I can't wait to read the email or the comment. <laughs> They're laughing about children dying. I'm kidding. I don't read those things anymore, you guys. <laughs> I'm not laughing because he shit. died. I'm laughing because I said real life. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, you know, somebody is going to need something to complain about, and it'll be that. <clears throat> yes. Okay. We don't care. Go fuck yourself. Okay. Onward. Which was a good movie, by the way. 
Uh, he was reportedly hit by a car and died, like, while he was doing this, like, chasing <gasps> golf balls. Oh, no. Yeah, he ran out in front of a car and got hit. Died doing what he loved. He now hangs out on the golf course near the club grill, causing mischief, like stealing golf balls and flinging them at golfers while laughing. <laughs> I like this kid. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> and then we have Lillian, a woman in her 20s, dressed in the style from the late 1800s. It's described as a pinkish-brown dress with lace and puff sleeves, and she is seen off the main lobby looking out at the lake. She is waiting for friends so they can go boating. Aw. See, okay, folks, this is what we were talking about a while back when <laughs> we were talking about, like, the clothes you die in. Oh, no, I... <laughs> <laughs> That was a while ago. It was a long time ago. It was a short little anecdote. Um, be very, very careful about what you wear every day because you might die in it. And are you prepared <laughs> to wear that for eternity? Because I feel like she did not plan very well. <laughs> I'm sure it well, was the style back then, but I'm just thinking about those puff sleeves. And man, I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, you poor thing. <laughs> you could wear that forever. And then there's the man that's dressed in all black with a long overcoat or cape. And he is seen on the second or third floors walking the halls, as well as the hallway by the spa. And then we have a room on the second floor that is occupied by a former hotel maid from around the 1930s or 40s era. She doesn't usually leave the second floor. But she does um, move up and down the hallway. Uh, she's thought to have been caught having an affair with a hotel guest and was fired. Oh. She went back to tell the guy that she got fired and his wife returned. <gasps> the husband confessed the affair to the wife. The wife wrestles the maid to the floor, grabs a pillow, and ends up smothering her. Oh, jeez. The guests then pack their things and leave immediately. Of course. Not telling anyone anything. Why would they? They just murdered somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the maid was not found until the following morning. And they assumed she had died of natural causes, like a heart attack or a spell. A spell? <laughs> Like a fainting spell or something? I'm, yeah, like, a fainting spell, I'm sure. But the way I'm just like a spell, like a vada cadavera? That spell? <laughs> yeah, that one. Petrificus totalis, I bet. Did they check to see if she'd been petrified? No. It could be a basilisk didn't. running loose. I'm clearly on a Harry Potter kick today. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some accounts. The first one I have is from an employee, Patricia. She was working in the main hotel one evening and was taking her dinner dishes back to the employee cafeteria uh, by way of an elevator that's outside the main restaurant. Uh, they have a rule that employees do not get on the elevator with guests. So she double-checked that there was no one on the elevator before she got on. It was completely empty, 
She got on and the door closed and she hit the button for the basement and then took a step back away from the button panel and bumped into someone. Mm-hmm. She turned to apologize, but no one was there. No one was there. Dun, dun, dun. But slowly, a man materialized. What? He was a portly man with a walrus mustache. He was... <gasps> Sorry, he was I'm dressed... picturing it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> he was dressed in a three-piece brown suit. She got the impression he was either on his way to a good smoke or had had a good smoke. Of what? I... Like, is I she saying cigar, he's stoned? <laughs> I assume cigar what? by the way he's dressed. The walrus mustache kind of makes me think cigar, but <laughs> I'm like, is she saying he's high? Um, you said walrus mustache, and I cannot get the image of Wilford Brimley out of my head. <laughs> like, that's who it is to me now. You know what? I think I kind of pictured someone about that. Yeah, just about that way, too. Yeah. <laughs> It's the mustache. I, it's I didn't all the put it together until you like said his name, and then I'm like, oh yeah. That well, was I was like, oh, what? It took me a minute to think of his name, and I was like, what the fuck? It's Mister. It's the, from the Waltons, right? That Walton guy. Is that <laughs> where he was from? He was on the Walt. Is that where he's from? I mean, I know he does the diabetes commercials, but <laughs> I don't remember what he was on before that. <laughs> I just know him from the commercials. <laughs> Pretty sure it's the Waltons. Diabetes. So upon reporting this incident to security, she learned that the restaurant was originally a men's parlor where men could go to smoke and play cards. And this spirit has been named Walter by employees at the Sagamore, and his presence is seen often in that elevator and in the area around the restaurant. And then we have a few personal accounts. The first is from Bill. Uh, It says, I used to work as a cook at the golf course. One day working by myself before the place opened, I heard what sounded like a child laughing. Mm -mm. This was early spring before the golf course was open. About an hour later, my boss came in and I told him what happened. He told me the story of the little boy who ran after golf balls. Curious, I set up a recording device upstairs overnight. The next day, I went over the tapes. I found several EVPs. The last month I was there, I went upstairs to the second floor of the clubhouse with my digital recorder. I asked if the spirit or spirits could give me a name or age or anything intelligent. The best EVPs I have ever heard in my life came through. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. It was the most out-of-this-world voice, like in a movie, but so totally real. (laughs) I tear up still thinking about it. Oh that was God. back in 2008. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. <laughs> That's creepy. I'm assuming it was a much, like, creepier voice. Like, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Or something like that. Bobby. Just trying to think of a movie ghost voice or something. <laughs> or it could have been, like, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Like a heart, that harsh whisper. Yeah. I don't like those. And then we have Blake. And they say, 
When I had been staying at this hotel with my family in June of 2018, I was sleeping on the pull-out couch in the living room area. About an hour after I fell asleep, and please note, everybody else in the room was fast asleep, the TV clicked on and our door swung open. No! (laughs) (laughs) Honey, I'm home. Seriously. Well, I guess I'll just make myself at home, watch some TV. I need to chill after a full, like, day of hauntings. (laughs) And... The last personal account I have is from Roger. Roger, Roger. (laughs) Sorry, I've been watching Clone Wars, too. (laughs) I used to work there as a night cleaner. One night while cleaning the kitchen area of the conference center, I heard one of the doors behind me open and footsteps coming behind me. Assuming it was my supervisor, I turned around to speak to him as soon as the footsteps stopped directly behind me. Upon turning around, there was nobody else there. Yup. Because that's how ghosts do it. No one was there. Dun, dun, dun. We should put that on a t-shirt. Just dot, 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 and no one was there. That would be cool. (laughs) So many t-shirt design ideas. Oh, what about... What about on the front? I turned around, and then on the back. Oh! And no no one was there. That's perfect! As soon as all this quarantine shit is over, we've got, we're going to have t-shirts ready for you guys. Yeah, so that was everything for the Sagamore Resort. This place is gorgeous. It's so huge. Um, In Lake George. That's not far. Everybody from the city goes to Lake George in the summer, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Or at least everybody from Long Island. Because when I lived on Long Island, that was the thing. Like every summer, everybody was, oh, I'm going to Lake George. I have never been. I think I've been to the Adirondacks once when I was, like, tiny. It was before I was five. And I don't know if I even remember actually being there. I just remember, like, hearing that we went there. <laughs> oh, that's true. I may have been there as a kid. I We used to go to the Adirondacks fairly often, like, every like once a summer to camp. It's possible I could, be, I could have been there when I was little, little. I just don't remember. So that's our show for today. Um... If you haven't already, follow our social medias, Instagram and Twitter, My Fave Haunting, Facebook, our page is My Favorite Haunting, and we have My Favorite Haunted Group, the home of the Paranormies, on there as well. And our DMs are always open, you guys. Like, don't, if you're alone under all of this stuff going on, or and you need someone to talk to or whatever, you know, reach out. Yes, we are here too. <laughs> yeah. We are always here. Yeah. Shit sucks. It'll it'll pass by though, hopefully. <laughs> I try to stay optimistic, but like I've seen this movie, so yeah, I saw all fifty-seven versions of this movie. <laughs> yeah, this thing sucks, man. Like all of April, April was going to be an awesome month, and April is just canceled. And I mean, yeah. I hope May is back on, but at this rate, like. <laughs> Our state has extended our thing, our stay-at-home thing, through the end of April. Um, yeah, I know the West Coast yeah. is already saying schools are done for the year. I mean, it's all – and you know what? It's the uncertainty at this point. Like, what is the world going to be when we – because we will come out of this, but what is the world going to be when we do come out? That's the scary part, I think. And yeah. the, the whole, like – it's just that whole, like – 
it's just that uncertainty, like being on that edge constantly. And like it keeps your brain in like a, a state of like, you know, what next? Yeah. So it'll pass, though. We'll come out. We'll reschedule all our stuff. All our ghost hunt stuff. Definitely. Uh, uh, in two weeks, we should have 50 out. And then we'll we'll take a break. But yeah, you guys, if you're alone and you're, you know, freaking out or whatever, and you need someone to talk to, like, don't hold it. I would if I didn't have people to talk to, even if I can't physically be with them, I would I'd be fucking insane by now. I am already insane. But you know what I mean? I'd be <laughs> mm-hmm. fucking lunatic. <laughs> Thank God for booze. That probably wasn't a great statement, but whatever. I just drank coffee with liquor in it. So as we were <laughs> recording this, so I mean, whatever. Liquor stores and pot shops are considered essential businesses. So <laughs> what does that tell you? Well, yeah, they wanted people to stay calm. I know you don't, you don't partake, but I certainly have been. <laughs> All right, so that's it, right? Um, so we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for yeah. potting with us. And no one was there. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> My butt hurts.